You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back. It is the NFC East Mixtape, the most revolutionary podcast in the history of the world. He is Brandon Lee Gowden, a.k.a. Brandon, a.k.a. BLG, from Bleeding Green Nation, your home for Philadelphia Eagles content at SB Nation. I am RJ Ochoa from Blog on the Boys, your home for Dallas Cowboys content at SB Nation. The two of us have joined forces, and we're very excited about it. If you somehow have missed us over the course of the previous 17 episodes, where have you been? BLG, where have these people been? Uh, I don't know, RJ. I don't have anything funny or witty to say at the beginning of the show. I just wanted to tell mm-hmm. everyone that up front, so I get it out of the way. But uh, yeah, there we go. Well, that is uh, not good because I have a funny, witty, inducing sort of question for you. Okay. Um, so I just got back from walking the dog and taking care of some stuff right before we started recording. But while I was walking the dog, I thought of this. Um, what is the most non-football-y sign right now that football mm-hmm. is back? Because like the mo- the most football-y sign that football is back is that football's literally back that the preseason's happening. Right. But and there is a, a right answer here. I'm just curious to see if you um, if you have it. Uh, it's so hard, RJ, when you're just in the thick of it. You know, like I am, just being a training camp every day, grinding away. Some would say harder than even the players themselves out there mm-hmm. on the field. You know, mm-hmm. I I just have it the hardest. It's tough. You know, my brain is just like it's only football right now i have to actively uh take the time to like kind of distance myself and relax and rest a little bit and that's why i feel like you know my my create my creativity juices are just sapped right now from all of that um so why don't you just give me the answer that you want to tell me anyway it's still a sports answer but it's a non-football answer um it is that the little league world series is happening or like the little (laughs) league world series circuit you know what i mean um i I say this every year but Mm. like there are several checkpoints we have to pass through the off season to get back here um and you know we've got to go through the masters we've got to go through the NBA nba playoffs nba summer league and stanley cup playoffs you know like we've got to go through a billion different things the last sporting event that is not football that we have to get through is the little league world series have you watched any of it uh well so it's funny you ask a team from brownsville texas which is the Mm. city i grew up in uh was victorious on tuesday we're recording wednesday morning um and so i don't know the levels here because there's all sorts of like qualifying rounds and stuff but they're doing well that's really all i can say so congratulations to them isn't brownsville like really really south in texas uh it is literally the southern tip of texas literally the southernmost city in texas look at yeah geographical wizard brandon lee gun um okay so the theme of today's episode uh is one that blg did come up with even though he's saying he's not creative it is one thing that we are excited about with regards to every nfc east team and obviously a super exciting division um so shout out to um the nfc east where do you want to start blg pick a team pick a place anyway well we had to start with your cowboys since they were on the Mm. tv show that i can't get so why don't you fill me in on what happened on hard knocks what's good from there 
Well, so we did have, uh, for all our Blog of the Boys listeners, our post-episode uh, discussion roundtable, which you can listen to on the Blog of the Boys podcast network and watch on the Blog of the Boys YouTube channel. Myself, Roy White, Meg Murray, and Tom Ryle. Um, this was a more classic Hard Knocks episode, BLG. Uh, we were we had a focus on Azur Kamara, a second-year Cowboys linebacker, edge rusher. Uh, some people would classify him differently, but definitely edge rusher. Um, kind of a, a taller, skinnier edge rusher, which is why the position is, is tough for him. Uh, but second-year undrafted free agent, that's the classic Hard Knocks mold. You know, last week we got Dak and Zeke and Mike, and that was very strange for Hard Knocks. Um, we got to hear his story being from the Ivory Coast. It was very interesting, honestly. Um, got to hear a lot of focus on him. There was a little bit of focus on Ben DiNucci, who's famous mm. around your neck of the woods. Um, and there was, um, I don't know if any Eagles fan is aware of this, but Micah Parsons is uh, quite the avid chess player. And he and Amari Cooper have had some chess matches and they were had some fun with it on social during OTAs. And so we finally, it was so predictable. We we're going to get a, a chess scene. Uh, finally got one, although it wasn't against Amari for Micah. It was against Ben DiNucci and Micah lost, which was definitely, um, you know, not a good sign. But Micah did help the Cowboys force a turnover uh, in Arizona. We got to see that game. We didn't get to see any of the injuries that popped up during that game, which I thought was mm. interesting. Uh, but, um, but you know, we saw a little bit of Dak. We saw Zeke. Zeke is the clear, you know, point of comedy. Zeke is the, we need, we need something funny. He talked about adding baby powder to his downstairs uh, during practice. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that, was, that was a thing. Uh, the most controversial thing to arise is the Cowboys worked on their cadence as a group, as an offensive group in a meeting room because they've been having snap issues from the center. So lots of people wondering whether the Cowboys are now in trouble because they had to work on that. Seems like a lot of downstairs talk between uh, Zeke and uh, Fassel here. A lot, of, a lot of interesting stuff going on uh, below the belt, if you will. Yeah, uh, our own Tom Ryle did mention on the post-episode discussion that the, the erotica theme was still prevalent <laughs> um, with, with that happening. That was pretty early. That was a clip they actually used to tease the episode. Uh, on, what on is HBO? You know, to be fair, yeah, it's uh, HBO. It's it's late at night. You know, kids have gone to bed, generally speaking. So, um, yeah, it is what it is. But, uh, but uh, yeah, so... Any, any thoughts on else? that? Yeah, one of the um, other things that, that you didn't even mention from what I saw uh, was C.D. Lamb, RJ. I saw C.D. Lamb was probably... We got, we got the C.D. montage. We learned um, that he has two dogs, one of whom is a golden doodle. And we learned that he is a candleman, BLG. He said, mm. wherever he's at, it always smells nice. Uh, but we, we got the, the montage that shows he's not... I mean, he has been. He has been the clear superstar of camp. And I know this is hard to believe, but he has somehow exceeded the hype for him um, that surrounded him entering the training camp portion of the season. And that's really exciting. And so uh, with him, with Micah, there is a strong infusion of young talent, hopefully young superstars. I do think that this is the the year that CD sort of cements himself as the alpha as the wide receiver for the alpha wide receiver for the Cowboys. Um, no discredits at Mario Cooper, but CD is just CD is different. And you know how it is when, when dudes are different. They're just different. Daniel Jeremiah tweeted out last night, I guess, you know, from watching Hard Knocks, somehow like refreshed his mind. He put it, here's my draft report on C.D. Lamb. In my opinion, he was the best wide receiver prospect in the best wide receiver class I've scouted. And then he has a link or a picture of the scouting report, which obviously uh, was a really good wide receiver draft class and included Justin Jefferson. And I don't agree that C.D. Lamb is better than Justin Jefferson, or you can't say that after, you know, what we've seen thus far. Can he maybe you know be better than him in this season? Maybe we'll see. Uh, I obviously have high hopes 
for CD Lamb as a player in terms of like I think he's going to be really good. I have low hopes for him in terms of me wanting him to be really good. So uh, so there's that. But uh, yeah, I think that's like if I'm looking for the most exciting thing for the Cowboys. Um, obviously, you know you can say Dak back is exciting, but I think like the big thing is CD like taking that next step because he was so good as a rookie and really overshadowed by not only the other talent on his team but also just you know obviously it being a really bad year for the Cowboys and I think you know with the team being better than they were last year and being in the national spotlight and everything and CD making this jump from year one to year two which I think he very much can make like it's not like last year was the very best of CD Lamb will ever see I think that's pretty exciting yeah I agree with that and I think it's fair to argue Justin Jefferson ahead of him obviously you know CD dealt with quarterback issues last year but to your favorite point, Justin Jefferson's quarterback is Kirk Cousins. Um, so, you know, a constant quarterback issue of a different variety, obviously. Um, I've, I mean, I, I've said this in a number of different places um, so far, like on our podcast network and on our site. But I, I would not take many overs when it comes to the Cowboys. And that, that to me is just, you know, is sports books like taking people's money because the Cowboys were – everybody talks, BLG, about how Dak Prescott was on pace for 7,000 yards last year. And I've told you before, like, that wasn't sustainable. That wasn't going to happen. Um, and I, I think the Cowboys' defense will be better because I think Micah Parsons is really good. And so, like, will they be great? No, but they will be better. And so I think that things will stabilize. I think things will level off. So I think this, like – you know, incredibly, you know, this incredibly high scoring offense won't be necessary. Plus something that is overlooked BLG in the first four games of the season last year were the first, the only four that Dak Prescott played entirely. Do you know how many possessions the Cowboys offense began on the positive side of the 50 yard line in those four full games? Like one or two. It was two. Uh, the first one was after an interception in week one, and the second was after the watermelon onside kick against the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> and so so my, my point with that is, and like credit to them for pulling it off, but every drive, the Cowboys offense had to go 76, 80, 79 yards, and that's a lot of yards to pile up if you're doing it. And again, credit to them, but I don't think that that will be as, as necessary. I think the Cowboys defense will force shorter fields and things like that. So I think that things will level off there. But the only overs that I would take are CeeDee Lambs, just because I do think that he hits hard in 2021. Did you see um, on the subject of the Cowboys aerial offense, ESPN wrote about this week, BLG, Mike Clay did, um, quarterbacks who are top candidates to eclipse 6,000 yards this season with an extra game. We obviously are going to see a lot of records fall, hopefully the, the sack record because it's a fraud right now. But, um, but Dak Prescott was listed as his top candidate. I did see that. Uh, are you buying that coming off a preseason where he's not really doing much? And, you know, uh, I, th I think he's capable. I think he's capable, um, but I don't think it'll be necessary. And Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports, after he was at a Cowboys camp, um, said on his podcast, the You Pod to Win the Game podcast, which has been really great in its revamp, um, honoring Therese Paler. And, um, and so he talked about how he spoke to somebody within the Cowboys who, you know, said that Mike McCarthy wants to run the ball, not in a established the runway but in a complimentary sense um, which is good um, the latest on Dak and speaking of McCarthy he said on Monday before the Cowboys had their Cowboys night practice last year this was the practice that McCarthy stripped all the names and numbers off of the jerseys because the Cowboys streamed it online and he was very paranoid about people yeah. finding out stuff uh, Mike McCarthy said that if Dak does not play this Saturday against the Houston Texans that we will not see him until week one against the Buccaneers. I find that interesting just because we don't totally know how every coach is going to handle the preseason yes. with it now being three games and 
Uh, granted, the Cowboys are playing four. Um, and so maybe for Mike McCarthy, this is kind of what used to be the normal dress rehearsal. So it's easier for him. Uh, but with the bye week, the three weeks or three games, like I find it interesting because last week was very different across the NFL. Some teams didn't even play their starters, but like the Bucks or the Cowboys playing week one played Tom Brady and everybody. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how teams handle this preseason week three because like I get it's the final game. So you could just think in your head, oh, they're just going to make every team's going to treat it like the fourth preseason game now. But like there's an extra week. There's a layoff. Do you really mm-hmm. want like your starters to have that long of a layoff? And maybe some teams do. And I think they will. But I don't think everyone thinks that way. And that's my only question with Dak here is like, you know, how is this layoff going to impact him? It might not impact him at all, honestly. But like, I wonder, I wonder if it will a little bit, even if it's and how it manifests might not be in like he has a terrible season because he had a layoff. But, you know, maybe it's like a slow start to the first game against the Bucks, which is like a pretty important game in a pretty important spot. So like maybe it could manifest in that way. That's the only thing I'm thinking about. And I, as I mentioned before, like I, I can't remember if I said it on the podcast or just to you, RJ, is that like I don't think the Dak shoulder thing is like this big concern in terms of is a week one availability. I think it's more of a concern in the long term. And if, like, are we going to see this pop up from time to time? And like, is he going to need to like dial back at points in the season? Like kind of, you know, rest that thing to get it through a season and manage it. That's the only kind of question I have uh, around him. Yeah, you've said that uh, in a number of places. Yeah. So, so shout out to you. Um, I um, I, I did want to like add one thing to this um, just because I find it interesting in, in terms of the preseason and how all this is factoring in. Um, but the the you mentioned the first game of the season against the Buccaneers. Uh, Bob Sturm, the great Bob Sturm from the Ticket and the Athletic, uh, said this in his uh, his Cowboys Q and A article over at the Athletic. And I hadn't like thought of it this way. Would you agree that Week One is the hardest game the Cowboys will play all season? Like on paper, like th- things will become harder because right. of injuries and things. But like looking at things right now, um, you know, I don't have the schedule right in my mind, RJ. Why would I? But, but why would I possibly care? Okay, well, so they, they play there. the NFC South, right? They play obviously the NFC East. Their their seventeenth uh, game is the New England Patriots. Obviously, they play the AFC West, mm. um, and then their non uh, divisional NFC games are the um, the Minnesota Vikings and the Arizona Cardinals. But yeah, they play in Arrowhead, so that's going to be pretty tough, you would think. Um, but other than other than the Bucks game, I would say so. The top three that pop out to me would be the Bucks game, the opener uh, at Arrowhead Stadium, play the Chiefs, and then the Chargers, baby, Chargers week two. That's a tough uh, one-two punch there with uh, Justin Herbert having to face him. So, uh, yeah, those are your top three. Yeah, I think that you can make an argument that there will not be a harder two-game stretch for them than the opening two games, mm-hmm. and. I could see them, you know, dropping those two and then everybody panicking because you know how like we'll hear all about like teams that start 0-2, only make the playoffs mm-hmm. like 37% of the time, whatever it is. Um, and so, um, but yeah, I thought that was an interesting way of looking at it. But, um, you know, the Cowboys have won in the opening night slot before. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, any other questions on your favorite team, the Dallas Cowboys? Well, not my favorite team and not yours because since you secretly like the Eagles. But uh, what are these? What's up with the injury situation here? I see you have a couple notes down for those guys. How, how big of a deal are those? So um, Neville Gallimore, second-year defensive tackle out of Oklahoma, part of last year's draft class, um, sustained an elbow injury in Arizona. He's going to miss um, – the initial report was four to six weeks. That's a bummer. Uh, probably the best defensive tackle on the roster right now. Lots of, you know, I wouldn't say talk, but lots of, uh, you know, lots of people, lots of lots of fans wondering whether Geno Atkins is in play here. Do you go get Geno Atkins right now because you're down Neville Gallimore? That's the easy dot to connect. Sean McEwen. 
The team's third tight end behind Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz um, suffered a sprained ankle in the same game. He's out four to six weeks. And uh, Ty Niseki, or Inseki, excuse me, um, the Cowboys swing tackle was banged up. His overall status isn't as much in jeopardy, but um, he is the best swing tackle on the team, and he is mm. not very good. Um, <laughs> so that is uh, a bit troubling in and of itself. Uh, I think one thing to kind of remember or contextualize these injuries is that they can kind of linger into the regular season. You know, like the player might be back, but like that player might not be himself for a while. And recent example I can give you, RJ, is Javon Hargrave, the Eagles signed last year, and he missed basically all of training camp, I think a little bit into the regular season even. But uh, it took him basically until like the final four weeks maybe or so to like really start coming on and actually kind of making a difference. And now he's been great in this camp and you see how big of a difference being healthy can make. So sometimes, you know, it's like you see these like uh, injury return timelines and you're like, okay, we're going to get him back in a few weeks. Yeah, but like you you don't know, you know, if they're actually going to be effective when they are back. So that's just something to keep in mind. Um, that is our update on, again, BLG's favorite team, the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. Um, let's move to your least favorite team, the Philadelphia Eagles, um, and BLG. Some people would agree with that assessment. We've, we've reached the point where we're getting Jalen Rager Mm. hype tweets. Mm. That's where we're at. That's the world we live in. Did you see the catch? Yeah, I did. I mean, I, I, I I truly mean this in not in a non-hater, non-trolly way Mm. because Eagles fans are nice. (laughs) But by the way, shout out to Josh, um, who is an NFC East mixtape avid listener who, uh, invited me. We talked about the, his Madden league and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, I am now part of their PGA 2K society. So we're, we're, we're hitting the digital, uh, golf course quite often. So, um, I had an embarrassing showing, um, in my first outing, but that's a whole different subject. But, um, Back, back to my point, I was not that impressed with the catch. Like, I, it really didn't stun me the way it's done Twitter. Uh, so I saw in person, Flex, and, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was obviously really impressive. And he had one like that a couple weeks ago, actually, two, about two weeks ago. Uh, this one was even more impressive, I would say. Now, because I, again, am a Jalen Rager hater, as everyone likes to label me, uh, I can't talk about it without qualifying the catch. Now, like, I'm just frustrated, RJ, because like everyone sees that play and they're like, oh, Jalen Rager, breakout season now. It's like, well, it was on one-on-ones and like he hasn't done anything resembling that in 11-on-11. And like full team drills, he is just not nearly as visible or like he had one good play against the Patriots in 11-on-11. But like in for, for most of camp, like he's been really good in one-on-ones and then 11-on-11, he's just been almost invisible. So it's just like, what am I supposed to make of these highlight catches in a setting that's not really like a real true football setting? Like that's not going to actually potentially matter when the games show up. Obviously, I'd rather him do this on one-on-ones than not, but like I just want to see more out of him. I also want to see him have like a clean practice for every kind of big play or big moment that Jalen Rager has. There's always like a downside. And yesterday he had a drop in routes on air when there was no defense and he had a drop in seven on seven, like two bad, really bad drops. Uh, the day before he had two good deep catches, but he double caught both of them. And I'm just thinking like, if this is a real game, those could potentially be a drop because you have a safety coming over and potentially knocking the ball out or whatever. Um, so it's just like, there's always a, but to me, like I'm always seeing something that, like just there's this flaw it's not a clean it's not just like an obviously good day or like wow Joan Rager was awesome in practice today there are basically no mistakes at all so that's kind of frustrating to me but he's not the only receiver RJ generating headlines I'm sure you saw last week Quez Watkins of this what 79 yard touchdown 
He's fast. He was the fastest player in the NFL last week. I think according to Next Gen NFL stats, I think he was clocked at like I forget the exact miles per hour, but he was like the literally the number one fastest player is twenty one point five six miles per hour. That's just above KJ Hamler and your boy Justin Fields there. So uh, really, really fast. So it's it's incredible. Excited. Justin Fields is that high, by the way. But that yeah. is <laughs> that is. I, I give I give him all the credit in the world for you know for that. Yeah, I thought he was really impressive in that regard. But in other regards, maybe not. You can listen to the SB Nation NFL show where Stats and I rank the rookie quarterbacks for more discussion on that. But yeah, so you have. You have uh, Rager making some plays and getting people excited. Quez, I think, has Quez has like legitimately been good. He has not had like like you know these obvious gaffes like Rager has had. He's just been good across the board. And then you have Devontae Smith, who's back in practice now. RJ for the first time since getting an injury in team drills. The Eagles didn't target him in Tuesday's practice, and I kind of feel like that was intentional because there was a play where he had this nasty release on J.C. Jackson who, mind you, had nine interceptions last year, so a decent NFL corner. And, saw the tweet. Another yeah, he, flex on you. <laughs> another flex by me for seeing it in person. Actually happened pretty, like, right in front of me, so even even better. But uh, it was just, it was so sick, and he got wide open, and Hurts didn't throw his way. And again, I think that was in part because uh, they were not going to throw to him in yesterday's practice, because he didn't do one-on-one. It was weird. He did, like, full team drills, but he didn't do one-on-one. So, uh, but yeah, he's back. So there's some optimism building RJ, that the Eagles might have some wide receivers. So, um, and this, no mention of Travis Fulgham and all this hype, mm. but um, then put it, put it in perspective for for people. Uh, this is the this is the best you felt about an Eagles trio of wide receivers since what trio? Well, I mean, it's hard to say because it's been a while. Number one, but number two, <laughs> uh, maybe it's easy to say in the sense that like when you actually felt good about them, but then it didn't manifest at all. There were people talking about a couple of seasons ago, you know, Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar and Deshaun Jackson. And this is like in 2019, we're going to be, because at the time they actually had, the Eagles had the most money dedicated in cap space to their starting wide receivers out of any team. So like, you're like, okay, they have all these big names, but as we know, the Eagles basically ended up having one of the worst receiving cores in the NFL that year. So uh, the preseason hype is great. Uh, but how much does it mean, really? That's my thing. Like, I always come back to that. Like, it's hard to say. You know, you think about Sam Bradford going you know, 10 for 10 in Green Bay and everyone thinking the Eagles were going to win the Super Bowl after that. But alas, they did not. And Tip Kelly was fired and Sam Bradford <laughs> wasn't any good. So I'm not saying the preseason is meaningless, but it's just like it's a matter of like how much meaning can you take out of it? I, To me, I think there's legitimate uh, reason to believe these players can improve because they're all very young and also because Nick Sirianni Eagles head coach has a track record of getting more out of his receivers. If you look at like the receivers he's worked with throughout his history. So I think there's some signs that point to these players being legitimately better, but like, I don't think we're suddenly talking about like one of the best receiving cores in the league all of a sudden. Not yet, but I mean, I don't think they have that potential right now, but they're better than, than it was perceived. And, sure. and like the hype at the moment has nothing to do with Devonte Smith. You know what I mean? Like, mm. which is, you know, all the more exciting. So, um, see, like, I, you come here for kind thoughts. That's what I'm here for, BLG. Like, you sit on the couch. Um, and so we haven't spoken, at least you and I, since Jalen Hurts' preseason yeah. debut last week, six days ago now. I, My own personal opinion, thought he looked fine. Didn't set the world on fire necessarily, not like Justin Fields did. But uh, <laughs> but was fine, was efficient. I mean, was, I think, 
was was well enough to to make you stay interested in him uh, entering this season. I saw how you worded this on the note. I don't know if it was because of my tweet, but I mm-hmm. did tweet during the game, and I got a lot of blowback uh, that Jalen Hurts is the biggest X factor in the NFCs. And I got all these Cowboys fans like, "What about CD Lamb?" Blah blah. blah. Like, <laughs> we know that CD is amazing. Like He's my <laughs> yeah. My my point with this is like the this the person who can alter the NFC East the most in 2021 based on where things are at now is undoubtedly Jalen Hurts. And we're seeing a lot of positive Jalen Hurts uh, hype, praise, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's actually kind of interesting to me. Some of the things that have come out. Come out uh, I saw something from Jordan Schultz who put out there that, that like players are just being like blown away by Jalen Hurts on and off the field, which off the field, I can believe that because I think as we've talked about here, Jalen Hurts has those intangibles like mm-hmm. that's not hard to believe but on the field i find it hard to believe he's like blowing people away not because like i think jalen hurts has had a, a terrible camp or anything and i think he's actually been better recently i think he's kind of building some positive momentum here but like you can't tell me he's doing anything like super special out there and teammates are just like wow like this is like the next patrick mahomes or or whoever like i don't think you're seeing any signs of like an elite quarterback in the nfl just yet but again to keep it positive, he's building uh, on some of these positive days he's had. I thought the first preseason game performance, I would call it was solid. He had that, the, the throw to Dallas Goddard was really nice. Anticipation mm-hmm. throw. And that was a big issue for him because in camp, he's kind of, I feel like, uh, relied a little too much at times at like seeing it before he's throwing it, holding onto the ball as opposed to just kind of, you know, throwing his receivers open. Um, so I, I, it was really encouraging to see. But he did miss the deep shot to Quez Watkins. That would have been like a 98 yard touchdown. And you leave a play like that on the field, that's kind of a big deal. Um, you know who found Quez Watkins? Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. <laughs> yeah, on a screen pass. Very different, <laughs> very different kind of throw. Um, but that, but on that note of hitting receivers in stride, that is something that, uh, Jalen Hurts absolutely does better than Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz cannot hit a receiver, I feel like, in stride to save his life. Carson Wentz has other strengths in terms of like being able to like rocket the ball. His arm, you know, velocity is really good. But like in terms of putting the ball sometimes exactly where it needs to be, not the best. And and I bring that up because it's a just a stark contrast from from Wentz to Hurts. I will say, um, not to kick back entirely on your you know, he, I mean, I'm not saying Jalen is the next Patrick Mahomes, but he's not the next Patrick Mahomes thing. I think a, in a lot of ways in life, we see what we want to see. You know mm. what I mean? And so, like, because yeah. because he is far more appreciated, far more likable, for lack of a better term, in the locker room, I think it, it looks prettier. You know what I mean? Like, I think if you're out there, if you're whoever, if you're Dallas Goddard, just hypothetically, it the vibe is better. You know what I mean? And so I could see the perception being that way, even though I, like, I get what you're saying that like, you know, he doesn't appear to be a top 10 or, or something quarterback right now, but I could see it feeling that way. You know, it's, it's like, you know, it's like your, your high school crush, you know, when you're in there, you know, ev- everything is, is like, you know, beautiful and perfect. You remember walking into hallways and things like that. Like I, I could see that aura surrounding the Eagles, if that makes sense. I think there's some positive momentum building here, RJ. And I think that's a surprising development. To me, uh, I think there's there's good vibes. There were not good vibes by contrast in training camp last year. You had Zach Hurts wanting a new contract but not getting it, and then like fighting with Howie Roseman basically at the end of training camp right before the season. Um, you had Jason Peters uh, demanding a raise to play left tackle after he was slated to play right guard, and Andre Dillard got hurt. 
Um, Carson Wentz wasn't having the best training camp. There are a lot more negative vibes in camp last year that I'm not seeing now. And I think part of that is a honeymoon effect, having a new coaching staff sure. and a new quarterback. So, And I think part of it is people wanting, you talking about people like wanting to believe what they want to believe. I mean, the Eagles were really bad last year. So people are hungry you know, for better football this season. They really want to, to hope and believe things can be a lot better, or at least somewhat better. I think, uh, to the Eagles, to their credit, have looked a lot better than the Patriots, who, by the way, you talked about, like, avoiding overs earlier. I mean, if you're betting over on the Patriots, like, sorry for wasting your money. Like, bang the under on the Patriots, because, boy, do they not look very good to me. Um, what was the um, the Cam Newton shade that was thrown? I saw a tweet about this in yeah. passing, but what, what was it exactly? Well, speaking of passing, it was Cam Newton throwing a lot of checkdowns, where uh, Kayvon Wallace, Eagles' second-year safety, uh, said he was the checkdown king. He was calling him out a little bit. And I think Cam took it in good fun and kind of uh, had said something back to him about how like, like he wouldn't check down so much if the Eagles weren't playing so much zone <laughs> in 7-on-7. Seven seven. Um, so fired back a little bit. But yeah, I think again patriots tangent here like i think cam is cooked dude like i am i am not high on the patriots at all and uh but i think my my i wish i disagreed by the way i I wish i did because i was so hyped you and stats were so hyped for them i know hunter henry now but but like i'm i still think that there's a lot to be desired there but i just i i want that that's kind of me as an Mm. eagles player with jalen hurts like i would i want i'm trying to will it into existence i've i love cam i don't know who doesn't love cam newton I mean, mm. so I would love to see that happen. But yeah, it's it's tough. You root for the Cowboys and the Patriots. Got it. Interesting. Okay. Um, so you are rooting for not the Colts or kind of the Colts um, mm. in 2021. And I see a note here um, that you have about Carson Wentz and how, well, we've heard some positive reports. Speaking of positivity, that he's yeah. the foot surgery yeah. went well, um, whatever, blah, blah. Um, I have a question kind of related to this, but what's your Carson Wentz point? Oh, I never went to point. Why did, why did you think I had one? It was here on the rundown. I don't know. You is that an that accident? There. I, think I didn't put, put this there. here. Maybe this is an old thing. I didn't but- put that there. I think <laughs> I think that's a leftover note on the dock there from like okay. a show or something. Because I, well, I didn't put that there. Are well, we're leaving, we're leaving this in the show. But this does lead me to... to I had one quick point on the Eagles, though, to, to wrap okay. there. I was, done. I was thinking, I think... You know, I have them still at eight and nine. I still have them there, but uh, I, I was thinking in my mind they might be even like a six-win team. I think they might be able to win eight games, which, you know, I don't really know where that puts you in the long term, eight and nine, but uh, that's where I kind of have them right now. Anyway. I, well, I've, I've said this. I think they finished second in the NFC East, and we'll do a, a prediction and a projection once we get to the regular season, but I, I think yeah. that they finished second in the division, I, and I think eight and nine is good enough for that, for what mm-hmm. it's worth. Um, but, okay, my question is um, about Doug Peterson. Because I think we both think that he's probably going to be the top head coaching candidate on the market next year, barring, you know, whatever offensive coordinators or defensive coordinators rise to the top. Hopefully Eric Bieniemy finally gets a head coaching job, but Doug Peterson's going to be heavily in the mix. Um, right now, if I'm guessing, you know, vacancies, I think the Cincinnati Bengals could be open and, and that be. could be a, a Peterson spot. Um, I think, you know, the Houston Texans, maybe like you never know. Maybe that is a, a one and done sort of situation there. Um, I don't know about the Raiders. I don't know that they're willing to move on from, you know, John Gruden quite yet. But so. <laughs> but like that's the if you're going to do that, you have to like if you're going to get rid of that guy specifically, you have to bring in a Super Bowl winner or whatever, blah, blah. Mm. Uh, but the one that I am fascinated by is Chicago. Speaking mm. of Justin Fields, because to me, 
I've said I've said this before, and I think this is going to happen to Zach Taylor, but Joe Burrow got hurt last year and kind of altered the plans. You don't want to be the head coach that was there before and drafts the number one overall pick quarterback. Because then, or and maybe not number one overall pick, but like the top quarterback. Because then the quarterback blows up his rookie year, but your team still sucks. And the ownership or the GM says, okay, we found the quarterback, so we have to find the coach to elevate him. And I think that that will happen. That that's that's what happened with Dak Prescott, right? Like he was clearly this guy. It's like okay, he's going to be the coach that takes him to the next level, blah blah. So that's going to happen with Joe Burrow and with Justin Fields. And I saw it was super awkward reading about Doug Peterson being at Colts camp and like talking to Carson Wentz. Mm. I felt awkward reading it uh, from Peter King, but Doug, P- I, I I mean everybody thought that either Carson Wentz or Zach Ertz would end up in Chicago. What if Doug Peterson is the one? That'd be kind of weird. Doug Peterson's uh, friend, and or Matt Nagy's friend, Doug Peterson, replacing his friend, Matt Nagy. And uh, I believe former like assistant directly, and actually the Eagles signed, tried to sign Matt Nagy at one point, um, even though he was on their coaching staff. And then the, that did happen for like a day in the NFL. It's like, no, you can't do that. You can't sign a player. You can't sign someone off your coaching staff to be a player on your team because that would kind of circumnavigate uh, uh, or circumvent, this is the, the right word, uh, roster rules. Uh, spots so uh, i don't know uh, i i'm kind of i was looking through all the teams while you were talking there and i was struggling to kind of find uh the natural fit for doug uh apparently as peter i don't know if you said this but as peter king noted he turned down reportedly two oc jobs i remember mm-hmm. him being in the mix for the seahawks uh offensive coordinator job at one point my guess there is that both of those oc jobs were not play calling oc jobs and you know kind of just uh you know the head coach calling the plays and him being there um so i don't know i don't know what the future holds for doug but i think teams respect him and I think this is a nice little thing he's doing, getting his name out there again, kind of being visible. Um, you know, kind of like Mike McCarthy did. I was just going to say, you have to, to brand yourself like Mike McCarthy did. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, we'll see. It'll be interesting. How but about Seattle, him, by the way? I, so I was going to say, well, yeah, because they showed interest in him. They were one of the teams that uh, were interested in him for an offensive coordinator job. I was just looking up Pete Carroll's uh, contract. And apparently he signed a contract through 2025 last season. Um, but I feel like what if like this season goes really poorly for Seattle and like Russ then like is out and like and he demands out and he and he gets his wish and then at that point like Pete Carroll's is like, all right, I'm done. Like I'm old. I'm just gonna I'm hanging this up. I'm getting yeah, paid I for mean, the next few years. Uh so at that point, Doug is kind of from Washington, so maybe it can make sense. There's nothing more meaningless in the NFL than coaching contracts, right? Like those, those mean nothing. They're just money at the end of the day for, for teams. But here's the world. Russell Wilson demands a trade, goes to Vegas. I don't know. The Eagles. Um, that would be funny. Um, but no, you can't because Jalen Hurts is going to be awesome. Okay. Um, and so Pete Carroll retires. Doug Peterson goes to Seattle, signs Nick Foles. Mm. Boom. Championship. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I would love Chicago myself, but that's just me. Um, okay, let's let's take a break because we have the Giants and the Washington football team to get to. Nobody go back. We'll be right back after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. 
so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. All right, BLG, what did you do during the break? I sat here for like three seconds while mm. we there was a silence. And then... Wait, wait to pull back the curtain. Nice job. <laughs> uh, so uh, the New York Giants, was it not the most predictable thing in the world that John Mayer would be the dude mm. to stand the taunting rules that have been put in place by the NFL? Uh, on the break note, because I'm still my mind was still there. Oh, yeah, it's funny to me that the office ladies actually take breaks. Shout out to the office ladies, obviously. I mean, obviously, everyone listens to that podcast already. But uh, I remember like hearing them talk about that before. Like they actually like go and do things. Like, they actually take real breaks. So that's funny to me. Um, on Mara, uh, I mean, just obviously a huge loser in the sense <laughs> that they lost. I mean, just objectively, that's not even an opinion. Like the the biggest loser in the NFL mm. since 2017. Like that is a fact. As you like to bring up, that's the Jets and the Giants. They've lost the most games since then. They're like 16 and 48, or I think or it's 17 and 42. I okay, think. it's it's something terrible. I, I I don't know. There's so many losses. I can't even count them. It's just it's a lot. Uh, it's so silly that you know. Obviously, I think everyone agrees. There's I don't think anyone for the most part, other than maybe a very tiny minority is like oh yeah this is great less less taunting that's what we want no one wants that no one cares about that uh rj part of the reason i came to love football so much like i, I already I, I was kind of following along with the eagles i felt like when i was really young casually but like what really intensified my love for them as i've talked about before is a man by the name of terrell owens mm-hmm. and Specifically, what T.O. would do after he scored touchdowns. I remember playing flag football in middle school and being so excited to score a touchdown because I was going to get in the end zone and I was going to do sit-ups once I scored a touchdown. So <laughs> the fact that uh, the NFL is taking this away and Mara is being like the face of it or you know explaining why or as part of like the impetus for it is very unsurprising uh, because the Giants are stuck in the dinosaur ages and it is just totally lame. I 
Couldn't agree more with everything you said, especially the love for T.O. By the way, before we started recording, I was telling you about Fubo. No free ads here or anything like that. But T.O. Uh, well, T.O. has a show on Fubo uh, that he does with Jason Hatcher. So, I mean, he's he stays hustling. He stays grinding. He he knows about the break. You know what I'm saying? That That is part of, you know, putting a show together. Uh, yeah, this sucks, dude. Like, it's it's always obvious how much they, they being the New York football giants, are a mouthpiece for uh, 345 Park Avenue. And it has never been more obvious than this. And, like, this is one of those things that, like, I think about this often. Like, I think in the 90s, even the early 2000s, people like John Mayer were able to get up and go give press conferences and not get roasted for saying stupid Mm. stuff. You know what I mean? But now that, like, we live in a day and age where, like, information is so accessible, you can't just, like, sneak this in there, this this kind Mm. of comment. You know what I mean? Like, it can't just get printed in, you know, the post or whatever the next day and nobody ever calls you on it. Like, it's becoming more obvious how lame they are. I mean, they are actually lame. We've talked about this several times. They're so boring. There's nothing, there's no juice to them. Yes, Saquon Barkley participated in team drills on Tuesday. By the way, the team pulled off a trade, BLG, Mm. a rare player-for-player, same-position trade. Uh, They traded Isaac Yadam to the Green Bay Packers for Josh Jackson. but I mean, still, like, say, even Saquon, one of the most electrifying players in a vacuum in the league, returning in any capacity, adds nothing. Nothing. They're so boring. And it actually bothers me, a Cowboys fan, because what I like about the Cowboys Eagles rivalry is it's intense, is there's juice, is there's fire, there's intrigue. It is so, bo- even losing to the Giants is like not, you know, upsetting because it's they're just so flat and boring they they are you know porridge you know what i mean they're oatmeal like that's what they are um i know you don't watch big brother against my strong recommendation but one of the punishments in the show um that that people endure is slop which is they they are not allowed to eat food they have to eat slop which is like basically oatmeal it's just like the nutrients you need to live they Mm. are slop that's what the new york giants are wow uh yeah i mean like so i'm looking through bigblueview.com i look through you know our reddit you know slash giants and uh there's solid juice i'm looking for like you know the theme of the show being like what's there to be excited about with this team like i can't find anything that team like that fans are like really latching onto right now other than maybe like okay darius slayton had a nice catch to end practice the other day like okay but like it doesn't seem to be like a, be a big theme throughout camp that you know this one player who we drafted a couple years ago or last year or whatever is like really on the rise like you can't certainly can't say that about Daniel jones because he's apparently had like a really uneven camp been up and down and that might be even generous so yeah i'm really not seeing the juice here you mentioned that trade i mean like is this even really worth talking about these players might might make the roster like that's that's one of the best things the giants have going for them one of the things i've noticed on bigblueview.com multiple articles about the giants and their offensive line depth and obviously that's been impacted with zach fulton and joe looney retiring um and then they had to put kyle murphy on ir uh, and other a couple other linemen have had injuries. So, uh, yeah, their offensive line, not already good to begin with, is having depth issues. So if it gets banged up, okay, going to be a disaster. Um, I'm not seeing what is here to really be excited about the Giants, like you said, other than Saquon and him getting back on track. Uh, is is big but he's not even like full go yet right like he's like easing back in and it's like when do we know we're gonna see him for sure and like i said earlier about like okay he might be back but when is he actually gonna be like saquon when is he gonna be like full strength and that full health is it gonna take a couple weeks even after he gets back on the field so 
Uh, sorry, Giants fans, for listening to this, if, if you actually exist out there. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just not seeing the juice. The tell, most- me, tell, tell me where I'm wrong. Well, you're not, I because I literally said the same thing. Uh, so I'm I mean, talking to them, RJ. Oh, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, tell BLG where he's wrong. Uh, the most juice, and it's not good juice. It's like you know, juice that's been in your fridge for three years. Type mm. juice is Daniel Jones, and whether, like, honestly, whether he will be bad or not. That's that's the juice that the Giants have going for them. Um, Benjamin Solak, uh, BGN legend, uh, wrote about uh, Daniel Jones and Dave Gettleman at the Ringer on Tuesday. And it was all about how, like, you know, plagued they really are and how, you know, tumultuous the ride has been. This stood out to me, though. Uh, I highly recommend reading the whole thing. But talking about Daniel Jones's turnovers, which is obviously a, a, a big deal. Uh, but this particular line, BLG, on quick dropbacks, which are less than two and a half seconds, 18.3% of the pressures allowed on Jones have turned into sacks. Mm. That was the third worst rate in the league behind only Carson Wentz and Dwayne Haskins. The NFC East lives. Look at that. <laughs> it's funny to me, as we've talked about before, though, that, like, you know, obviously this is, a, this is a big year for Daniel Jones. But, like, again, when we're talking about these offensive line issues, like, is it truly – I don't know if I fully agree. Like, is it a year that he, he just has no excuses left? I think he has excuses left. We, we're talking Daniel about right Jones now. specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm and I'm not saying like the Giants shouldn't move on from him because like there's a lack or there are excuses or there's no excuses, whatever. Like I'm not saying this forgives him at all, but like I don't know. I don't think it's like if the Giants fail this season, it's not only because like oh Daniel Jones, like everything was in place and Daniel Jones just couldn't live up to it. Like I don't I don't think that's truly the the situation. I think the team as a whole isn't very amazing at all. They might be like kind of I think they just they might honestly have a season like they did last year. It might be just like a repeat of that season where I know you think they might be even worse, but it might just be like they're stagnant. They're just not really going anywhere. They're just kind of stuck in the middle. Like they're a little bit better than the total joke that they were a few seasons ago, but like not by much. Um so yeah, that's where they're at. Uh, when John Mara spoke this week, he also talked about this season and the expectations on them. He said, BLG, I expect to win more games than we did last year, which was six, uh, which they cried a lot about. Um, hopefully, we're going to be a playoff team this year. You can call it anything you want. He was asked if it's uh, you know, a, a must-win year, Baker break year, whatever. He said, I just want to feel like after the last game that what we have here is a team that can win a Super Bowl. Um, he, he was also asked if Dave Gettleman is on the hot seat, um, and he said um, that the hot seat in the New York market is big enough for everyone in blue. That's also like such a lame thing they do is like refer to themselves as blue and all this. But mm-hmm. anyway, he said, we're all on the hot seat with our fans. We've given them too many long seasons. Um, and he specifically you know, said, let's see what happens when it came to the hot seat conversation. Dave Gettleman is the guy in trouble too. I mean, uh, this is a. I know I've, I've we've joked about it before, and the Eagles passed on him too. That's a different conversation. The Giants passed on Justin Fields like that. Th- that could look really bad if Justin Fields does blow up, and if Daniel Jones and Jalen Hurts to that point also falter. That I mean, you can. I understand you can make arguments for why the teams did it in the moment, but that's not how history works, and you know that. And so. Dave Dave Gettleman is in far. I mean, Howie Roseman's never going to get fired. So that's why I only focus on Dave Gettleman here. I mean, that's that will look really stupid. I mean, it's very possible. I think you would agree 
that Justin Fields will win Offensive Rookie of the Year. And if mm. he does, and the Giants are terrible, which seems very likely, that could be bad for Dave Gettleman. I said this on the SB Nation NFL show. So I'm not going to rehash it all here, but I, I'm not. I think people got to chill a little bit on Justin Fields. After mm, you don't believe that's okay. I don't believe that the Bears deserve the benefit of the doubt, like they're getting for some inexplicable reason when it comes to quarterbacks, and that everyone is assuming Justin Fields is already amazing. It's almost just like people already have this view that Justin Fields is great. So then, anytime he does something good, it confirms that view. But like when he has a really bad fumble, like he did, and he threw into coverage off his back foot and almost got picked, and it was dropped, like he did. I didn't see anything mm, about those don't count at all. Those don't um, count. And also went three and out against like the Dolphins better defense and then when the the like the third string or whatever or the, whatever they're playing in the second half he started to uh have success against it, those guys it, in all seriousness it is worth mentioning i saw pff mention this he had the longest average time to yes, throw of all first that. round quarterbacks that played last week so i mean like i'm 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 half joking here i obviously believe in him but but hypothetically if he does turn out to be just even good i mean dave gettleman because that dude has really and respect to him for honestly for like camping so hard for he believed in something and i i really do respect that he believed in daniel jones he hitched his wagon to it he has doubled and tripled down on it but if that doesn't work like speaking of triple this is year three i mean it it has to pan out now or and i hope the giants don't make a change but or it would make sense for them to if it doesn't pan out in 2021 on the flip side if justin fields is really bad Gonna look really smart because you could get a pretty high pick with that uh, with that pick there, and potentially you know get your successor to Daniel Jones with that selection. So, uh, big wide range of outcomes there. I don't think it's impossible. I don't think it's possible. I don't think the Bears are gonna be like you know picking one overall or anything. But I, I do think it's possible that Field struggles a lot more than people are expecting him to, and that trade does look kind of good for the Giants or at least better than expected and it's really interesting to watch in terms of where the Eagles are picking and everything potentially with you know their potential first round picks with the Colts and the Dolphins and everything and then potentially needing a quarterback so a lot of uh, NFC East ramifications already in the 2022 NFL draft uh finally BLG the Washington football team the big takeaway from their first preseason game is Chase Young so I think you know I mentioned history is doesn't work in a certain way I think people look back on last year's draft and say that Washington flubbed by not taking Justin Herbert. Or if you could redo the draft, would you take Justin Herbert over Chase Young? But holy crap, Chase Young is amazing. I mean, like he he makes the argument tough. I mean, if as important as quarterbacks are, he does make the argument difficult. Yeah, I, I mean, I just don't think you can say it. It's just like it was never like a realistic thing. He his. It's not just about because you can't just do hindsight. Like that's not how it works. You can't just do. You have to look at the process. And I think when you look at the process of a player who was like such a sure bet, like everyone knew Chase Young was going to be dominant. People didn't know Justin Herbert was going to be as good as he did. So you have to factor that into the equation that getting that sure thing of at a, a premium position too. We're not talking about like a running back, you know, and Saquon Barkley. We're talking about an edge rusher, which is like probably the most important thing you could argue behind a quarterback. So and not too not too far behind in terms of uh the total ranking. Now obviously you have to get the quarterback and they haven't done that yet. But yeah. Uh, he's a beast. He's going to be a real, real problem for everyone uh, to deal with on a, well, whatever, facing them twice a year and, and our interest. So that's not fun. Um, the other thing that I wanted to bring up with Washington, RJ, was actually a couple of things. But one thing football-wise, uh, before we get to the other thing, uh, is that, so I think you noted that Curtis Samuel is back. Okay, that's good for them. But uh, the other running back, if we want to call Curtis Samuel running back, which he isn't exactly, but you know, might be used in that capacity, is that 
Kyle Allen, RJ, who was once teammates with Christian McCaffrey in Carolina, says the Washington football team wants to use one Antonio Gibson just like him. Uh, are you buying or selling the Antonio Gibson? I mean, obviously, it's one thing. To, I, I don't think anyone is realistically saying he's going to have that kind of impact. But will he have that kind of volume and be that important to Washington's offense? So I want to be clear that everything I'm about to say is in no way doubting Antonio Gibson's Wow, hater alert. <laughs> I like Antonio Gibson as a football player, but I hate comments like this. Um, like I saw Josh Johnson uh, was asked about Zach Wilson after last week and said, yeah, he makes some Aaron Rodgers-like throws. <laughs> what does that even mean? You know what I mean? Like, it's 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 silly. But so, fine. You know, I, I believe that, you know, teams want to do that but like would you not agree that the, like the eagles would like to use miles sanders the way the panthers use christian mccaffrey you know what i mean like that's you know i get it and but like to me the the only i i don't think this is a point of concern but this does feed the like all they're doing is like everything ron Rivera do with the panthers you know type take right like it's just we're recycling everything panthers wise whatever blah 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 um but i do think in turn like I, I do think comments like this, I know we don't really talk fantasy, lead to w- serious overdrafts. I think people are going to really highly draft Antonio Gibson. He won't be the value that he was last year. And so that will suck for people in a fantasy sense. I am kind of buying a Antonio Gibson big year. I mean, again, not as big as Christian McCaffrey because that's you know very high bar to clear. But I'm I'm buying like a real step forward for him. If we want to talk about NFC X factors, RJ, I think Antonio Gibson could be one. I think he could have uh, take a really big step forward. Um, he was really efficient last year, and he came into the league so like inexperienced. Like he did not have he made what like so many receptions and so many touches at memphis because he was stuck behind other players there and it was kind of a question mark of how he would translate to the nfl because of that but i think he has a lot of tread on the tires i think he got valuable experience last year i think he kind of got better as the season went on last year you know you very much remember that big performance against the cowboys on thanksgiving so i i buy um him being used in a big way and being really vital to that washington offense i buy it um good for you blg i mean again i i don't i buy that they want that you know what i mean so i buy kyle allen saying they would like to do that i just don't again i'm not doubting that it's possible i think he will be very good but you know that you mentioned that's a high bar to clear but you know I this is the time of year for those types of takes um you had one other thing to get to here this is very important information mm-hmm. when it comes to the washington football team yeah i mean take this with a grain of salt it's on reddit uh, uh jerry jones has a salt shaker by the way just so yeah you know. so a lot of salt if it's jerry jones like he's pouring the whole bottle he's unscrewing the top and he's just pouring it all out onto you call uh, it a bottle a bottle of salt uh shaker sorry whatever like, well, you know there's different forms whatever it's 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 a salt shaker uh leak team names apparently for the washington football team which it's kind of lame to me how this is like constantly a topic uh, just because it's just like, can you just settle this already? Like, it feels like one of the most interesting things about the Washington football team, like going on with them, kind of like we're talking about, like, what do the Giants have going on for them? Like, one of the most, like, storylines with Juice for Washington, like, it, what is their team name going to be? And it's like, it feels like it's taking forever uh, to me for them to pick it. And the rumored names that are out there based on, I think someone was like analyzing a clip where there wasn't volume, but you can kind of see the person's mouth moving. So this is very speculative, but... We're on a podcast, so we can talk about it anyway. And the three names, RJ, number one, defenders. Number two, 
Commanders. And number three, as we've heard about before, the Red Wolves. How would you rank those three names in terms of the best options? I think Red Wolves is the coolest because I believe there is a is a purpose behind that. It's not just like yeah. cliche name. Um, right. I don't I don't know exactly what it is. So I don't want to speak uh, not from an intelligence standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think names like defenders and commanders are super lame. Like that's mm-hmm. you mentioned being in middle school earlier. That's what like you know you're in like sixth grade recess and you're like gonna play like in that moment and you're like what's our team name and you're like we're the destroyers like that's that's what those names are to me um and so um and i (laughs) i say this um uh you know i was um i i hosted the pre and post game show for the alliance of american football's san antonio commanders so i i'm partial there's a yeah no big deal um so i by the way with greg ward you know what I mean? No big deal. Mm, yeah. uh, but uh, so I i mean, the Commanders has a special place in my heart, but that sucks, dude. Like yeah. that is such a terrible name. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why. And I don't know how I feel about this, but I don't know. Like I've always thought that the Patriots should be that like that team's name because you're in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. theoretically. You know what I mean? Um, but I, I mean, I get it. You know, I, I, my point is like I wouldn't be opposed to like a. A, a geographical tie you know what i mean like what what about the monuments i don't know if i like that <laughs> no but, you it's know, terrible <laughs> like, i mean like i'm just i'm just thinking you know what i mean like there's that that's still better than commanders and def- defenders is so bad hmm what if they were like the dc defenders instead of the washington defenders no wasn't there wasn't the defenders also an xfl team uh it does sound familiar i was like why does that sound familiar i think it, uh, they, they were I'm going to look it up real quick and we can find out if they were. And sure enough, they were. It, it, that, it was literally that's exactly the DC what it was. Yeah. I was like, wait, why does this sound good? Yeah. Uh, they were the XFL team. Good job by me there. Uh, more like good job by you, but for remembering that. I totally forgot that. I think Cardell Jones was on that team, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, but I kind of like Hunter that. Hunter Nicewander, Cowboys current punter. There you go. Uh, I like that, though. I like a DC Defenders. I like no. the alliteration there. Um, I wouldn't mind them going by DC. Like, if you want to drop the Washington, right. I'm fine with that, um, yeah. ultimately. I do think, like, from a posterity standpoint, I want to see them keep the same colors. I don't want to see a, a whole revamp in that sense. Right. Um, so it's it's you got to pick something that makes sense. That's why Red Wolves works. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they, I mean, they. if you go Red Wolves, I know that, I don't know how, like, all this works and what they've decided or whatever, but you could use the older helmets that have the, just the, the letter R couldn't you uh-huh. like that? I'm not opposed to that. I like the uh, I Washington's Washington, Washington's color scheme is nice. Like, you know, it, it, it can pop in a late afternoon sun. I would say it's unique. I would say I don't I don't like it. And not just because I, I don't that's like fair. the it's, team, but like I, it's nice like in yeah. in the context that we live our lives with it. That's you know, like to see it what twice a year. It's not boring. It's not repetitive. You know, it's not like all these teams that use like like red and black, like black and red or black and orange. These very basic color combination. Yeah. So to their credit, yeah, they have that going for them. I think it's kind of ugly. It can be sometimes in certain contexts, depending on how things are used. But uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think Red Wolves is a clear winner. I think everyone has like felt that way for a long time, and it's just like, why aren't we getting this done? Um, so we're still waiting. I think, and I don't even think Washington football team is that bad if they want to keep that. Yeah, I think that's fine. Um, but like, make a decision at some point. Like, you can't just let this thing linger. Like, you have to commit to something, and it's it's time. Make a decision already. I also feel bad for Washington fans. Um, say you're a well, in general, but like, say you're a Chase Young supporter, right? You want to have a Chase Young jersey. Like, do you really want to buy one right now? Like, do you really want to buy a Washington football team jersey? Yeah, you know, 
you gotta begin I, at the start. You can't be like the Cowboys and just jump on the bandwagon whenever I, you want to. I'm just saying, like, you know, and like that's a missed opportunity for me. Like Curtis Samuel joins the team. Like, there's a lot of hype. Antonio Gibson, like, you know, it you it would be cool to have these, you know, things, like not even jerseys, but like bobbleheads. I don't know, like whatever, blah, blah. Uh, my question on Red Wolves, should it be one word or two words? I kind of like two, but I don't know again the historical significance and everything. Um that's true. I, yeah. I don't know that either. But um, it's just that that's such a it's such a lot to type. That's how I feel Red about Wolf. Washington football. Well, no, Washington football team. You know what I mean? Like it's so much to type, and when like when you tweet it, it's like it's so much longer than everything else that it like creates a new line. You know, sometimes I go Washington FT like a soccer team. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, I just yeah. But yeah, like let's make a move here, Washington. Like, what are you waiting for at this point? The Washington Wolves. Shorten it. Mm, I kind of like that, and I like the alliteration there. I like the double W. You know what I mean. Um, so I'm not opposed to that. Um, I can't think of anything else. Like I know some people threw out the Washington Sentinels off the replacements and just like no. take. But I mean, it's a hockey team name. Really? Who's the yeah. Sen- who's the Sentinels in hockey? Well, I'm just thinking of like the Senators and stuff. Like I just feel like that would be like a that's not the team same name. thing. That's a different I know it's word. Not the same thing, but it reminds me of that. I'm saying the vibe. That's like that's just like the the vibe of that name is like a hockey team name. I also think you have to speaking of because this happens a lot in hockey. You you has to be, it has to be it has to be a team where you have like a plural form of it with like a plural that's the letter S. You know what I mean? Like like I, I magic. Yeah, team. like I hate the magic or the thunder or the the Minnesota Wild or the, the wild Avalanche. The the, yeah, or the what Avalanche. Is, what is that? Yeah, yeah, but because like if I was on a team, I would want to think like I am a insert the mascot here. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. what are you if you're you know a Heat? You you're know, a like, magic. Yeah, or like a Jazz, or you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's so you've got to be you got to have something. So I've always loved that the NFL didn't have that. Um, but you know, right now we're in this weird big place, but, um, okay. Any last final important, non-important thoughts related to the NFCs? No. Mm, that seems like a good note to end on. Well, um, shout out to T.O. and shout out to, uh, what are you having for lunch today? BLG? I'm going to have, uh, a bagel. Mm. What kind of, what do you put on it? Cream cheese? Is it flavored? Uh, I'm gonna use butter today, but I do like cream cheese. Yeah, but that's more for like an occasion. That's that's for like a special occasion. Hmm. I thought it was special that we recorded the NFC's mixtape, but I guess it wasn't. Uh, BLG, the last word is yours. Bye. <laughs> Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. 
Vanda is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta.